0: I didn't do a mic check this morning. It's been one of those weeks. So, does it sound all right? Is it good? All right. Well, man, we are so glad you guys are here. Uh, Man, I just want to say this before we get going. Today's been a, or this week has been a week that honestly has stunned and astounded me watching the church respond. And I just want to say this. You have no idea, I've been thinking about this week, how proud and honored I am to serve with a bunch of people like you guys that tangibly respond being the hands and feet of Christ. Like it has been amazing to watch. And I don't say it lightly. It truly has. I've been work, It's been a week of chaos and I've been doing stuff, uh, all sorts of stuff with this fire thing. But there has been things happening in our church that I had no idea about. It wasn't like I initiated it. I come home and Caroline's like, oh, man, like, they're filling houses with closets and pantries and food and they're doing this and these people are doing this. And, like, honestly, thank you guys. Because that's what it means to be the body of Christ. And hear this. Brian was praying this morning and I resonate with him. We don't want to be a church that just does that for our people and our staff. We want to be a church that does that for this community. That's why we're here. To love well, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a community that desperately needs him. That's why we exist. This is amazing. But we don't exist for here. We exist for there. So here's a question. Will you join us in partnering in the gospel to bring it to people who have no hope? That's why we're here. Thank you guys for being faithful. A couple things before we get going. One is uh, Justin and Ann Sorensen. I, they, I don't, are they, where are they at? Oh, right there. There's Justin. Front and center. So Justin and Ann are heading up um, for, we're going to get into the text, but I got to say this first. So. Tyler and Alicia and the family are going to have needs. So here's the deal. If you have, like, furniture or nice stuff, I'm not talking all the leftovers, the dressers with three handles on them. Not that stuff. But, like, if there's something that you really want to help them, Justin is going to head it up. He's going to be in the back by the info table. uh, And if you know of a storage unit or any place to store it, you can talk to him as well. But hear this. I want to preface it by saying this. We all know what it's like to move into a house and be given all this stuff that we don't really think that we can use, but we almost feel obligated to use it because it's been given. So I just want to preface it by this. If you give something, if they can use it, they will use it. If it does not fit well in the house for some reason, it just doesn't work, we will give it to someone else who needs it. So it won't get wasted, but don't feel bad if you walk into their house one day and they're like, man, I gave this dresser and I don't see it anywhere. Maybe they didn't need it or maybe they wanted something different. But it will go to a good home. So thank you guys for loving well. Seriously, it's been an honor to serve with you. Last thing before we get going is this. Christmas Eve is right around the corner. And if you are on Facebook or Instagram, please go share and invite. There are people in this community that the only time they'll go to church is often on Christmas and Easter. And guess what? Easter is not close, but Christmas is. And it's going to be the gospel. So invite your friends, invite whoever, Um, we're excited for that day. I'm going to pray. And we're going to get going. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place, for the people that you have placed in this room, God. And I just pray this morning would be such a sweet time with you. I pray that you would move in ways that we cannot manufacture, God, that you would do things with my words that I cannot do, that your spirit would fill this room and each person in this place would feel the tender love of a kind and a gracious God. God, there are some things that are going to be a little difficult to hear this morning. And there's also some things that cause great rejoicing. So here is my prayer, wherever someone is at in this room, that they would meet you and see you in a real tangible way. God, we love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we are back in Malachi, the final week of Malachi. Has Malachi been a blessing to you guys? I know it has been to me, uh, just to see what God has done. That was pretty lame. I don't know. I might. Does anyone have a resignation paper in this room? (laughs) But has it been a blessing? Truly. Like, if it has, I praise God for that. Because it has been for me. So, Malachi chapter 4, the last day in Malachi says this. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. So that it will leave them neither root nor branch we know from previous uh, chapters the arrogant are those that thought they could do life on their own that thought that they did not need god that they had all of life figured out and what malachi is saying what god is saying through malachi is there is coming a day when those who thought they could do it on their own when those who thought they didn't need jesus the ones who just said man i got this thing i don't need him There's coming a day that is going to be very, very painful and destructive for those who do not respond in faith to the gospel. So I want to preface this by saying this. I'm just telling you where we're going. God loves us so much that in his word, he has spoken a lot about what is coming, the day that is coming. He has warned us that if we do not respond in faith to the gospel, he has warned us what the consequences will be. And it is a place called hell. That is separated from a loving and a good and a gracious God forever. But for those who are in Christ, it is a day of triumph and rejoicing. It is a day that we look forward to for we don't live for this day. We live for that day. So hear this, this is where we're going. Because I love you and because God loves you, he's put it in his word. My prayer has been this, God, wherever someone is at in this room, would this be the day that they make things right with you? And if things are right with you, would it be a day that there is such great rejoicing knowing that even if everything in life is burned and taken away, we still have hope and his name is is jesus that's why we rejoice so malachi is saying god is saying through malachi that there is a day when all those who think they can do it on their own all the nation of israel whoever it is whoever thought they could do it on their own that it will be exposed and it says it will burn up the day is like a burning oven For the wicked will become like stubble. When stubble hits an oven, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it immediately torches. I think the Wilsheets family can see what a torching does. It's honestly heartbreaking. See, Jesus talks more about hell than heaven and actually describes it more vividly if you look in the scriptures. But so often we live this life of, man, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now, right? We hear a lot about it, but Jesus, because he loved us, warned us about it and spoke more about it. But often we just disregard it. And we just think that heaven maybe is real and hell is this fairy tale that God would never send anyone there. Hear this. God doesn't send someone to hell. We choose to go there. When we were born into this earth, we were born into our sin nature, and we were beelining for the separation from God. But God in his goodness sent an advocate, as we saw last week, sent someone to intercept our path and give us hope, and his name was Jesus. See, we are all headed there. And we'll talk about, I got to get going. I'm like preaching my message before I even get going. Here we go. (laughs) Charles Isbell says this, nothing will be left of them. No hope will, this is for the arrogant, no hope will exist for them. No future, no brighter day. All will be over, consumed in the mighty fire of God. Here's what hell is as the Bible describes it. It's a word, uh, Gehenna in the Greek, and it really literally is what was the Trash dump in the day, where the fire would burn all day and all night and consume the trash, and it really is a devastating picture for the person who refuses to surrender their life to Christ. It's where the word came from. Just nonstop every day, all day, just burning. But hear this: and we're going to talk about it a little bit, in, a little more in a bit. But verse two, but. For you who fear my name for you who honor my name the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings you shall go out leaping like calves from a stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under your soles of your feet on the day when I act says the lord of hosts what a picture I don't know if you guys have ever seen calves leaping from a stall or leaping from where they're cooped up. And I'm not even going to attempt to do it because I will make a fool out of myself. But it is a sight to be seen. There is this absolute joy. There is this, like, freedom. They just leap around and they bounce and they kick their legs in the air and their tails are flipping and they're bouncing up and down. And God is saying, for all those who fear and honor my name, this is what you will be on the day when I return. The great and mighty day of the Lord you will leap like calves from a stall oh what a beautiful day it is and he says son of righteousness son of righteousness s u n if you don't have your bibles is an imagery of god himself we see it in psalm 84:11 for the lord god is a sun and a shield The Lord bestows favor and honor, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless for those who have been redeemed by the blood. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, who a righteous, he's a son of righteousness, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, Israel will d- dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. See, here's the deal. The results of the healing work of the sons of righteousness are this, two things. They leap like calves, released from a stall, what an amazing imagery, and trampling on the ashes of the wicked. Wow. See, we don't live for this day. And so often we get bogged down into this day. We don't live for this day. The Bible describes this day literally as a tent. It is not our home. We were not wired for here. We were not created for here. We were created for there to be in the presence of a loving and a righteous and a holy God, not separated from him. And God sent his son to restore what was separated because we were all on the path to hell. Separated. From a good and a loving God verse 4 remember the law my servant Moses the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction So before we apply this, I want to talk about this because this can be kind of a confusing text. It's been debated by many scholars. Has Elijah come? Has he not come? Where are we at? Is Elijah one of the two two servants in Revelation 11 that are coming? Is he there? Is he already come? There's great debate over this. To which I will say this. My stance is that I believe that Elijah has already come, and I think, well, I will say this is why I stand on it, because Jesus said he did in Matthew. Listen to this, Matthew 11, 11 through 14. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And then hear this. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, Jesus says, he is Elijah who is to come. Matthew 17, 10 through 13, and the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Why? The Jews are waiting on Elijah to this day. They don't accept Jesus as their Messiah. They're waiting for Elijah to come because they think when he comes, he will usher in the Messiah, and then they will be restored to peace. They will be restored to power. They will be put back in their land, so they have denied Jesus as their Messiah because They don't think Elijah has come. Jesus says this, I mean, to the disciples. Then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him. But to him, whatever they pleased... So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understand, hear this, that he was speaking to them about John the Baptist. Look at what they say, he says in Malachi. They will come to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. It's talking about repentance. Elijah, according to Jesus, has already come. So, what does it mean? Jesus can return at any moment to come back for his people. The stage has been set for the victory to be won. Jesus is returning. The question is Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, Luke, how do I know if I'm ready? Have you given your heart to the one who has come to set and redeem you? Have you not just believed that he was some good moral guy who maybe wrote a few words of this historical document, but do you believe him to be your Savior and your Lord? Do you believe that he went to the cross, that he was buried in the grave and resurrected on the third day to give you life? And the Greek word is not, oh yeah, I kind of thought about that one time. It's no, I believe Without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus has come to set me free because he is returning and he is coming back. see God is saying that Elijah will turn the hearts of people repentance hear what Dr. Stuart Parsons says from Trinity College, he says this, he would return to usher in a great movement of repentance and a new movement of holiness. And this is exactly what John the Baptist did, calling God's people to repent and indeed administering a baptism of repentance. It was repentance that would fulfill verse 6. Jesus is coming back. It ain't a fairy tale. He is this king of glory. He is returning. So what I want to do with the time that we have left is I want to look at this text and see what it says about the great day of the Lord. And here's where we're going to go. It's two things. It's very simple. I'm letting you know right now up front where we're going. This great day of the Lord, it will be a day of destruction for the wicked. But it will be a day of triumph for the righteous. if I did not love you I would not preach this if God did not love us he would not have revealed this to us he would have just let us walk all the way into eternity separated from his goodness but he says because I love you I'm warning you of what is coming in church because I love you I am preaching to warn you of what is coming, but also to look in expectation for what is coming to those who are redeemed. It's beautiful. So number one, it will be a day of destruction for the wicked. As I've said, one of the beautiful things about God's word is he warns us of things that are coming so we don't have to experience it out of this shock, awe effect like, whoa, I never saw that one coming. In fact, if you've ever doubted God's love, look no further, because if he didn't love you, he would have just shocked you and been like, oh, newsflash, by the way, yeah, you're separated, sorry. Instead, he was like, no, I loved you so much that I've revealed everything about myself through my word, and I'm pleading with you to hear it. I'm pleading with you to believe so that you might have life and life to the full. So why hell? Hell was originally created for the devils and his angels. Did you know it? Matthew 25, 41. Satan rebelled against God, and we see in Scripture that because of that, he fell; he was cast out of heaven like lightning, Luke 10, 18. The simple way to define this sin is really this, the act of rebelling against God in his ways. Since God, the creator of life, is perfect and holy since he is nothing but light. In him there is no darkness at all. Because of this rebellion, because of this sin, Satan was cast out of heaven and this place called hell was created for him and his angels. Separation exists because God is perfect and we are not God. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, separation came upon all mankind. And because of this separation, we are now separated because of our nature. There is some debate, well, you actually aren't a sinner until you make your, commit your first sin, and who knows what age that is. That's not biblical. We were born into a sin nature. We could not help ourselves because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And God is saying, because of that separation, because I am not in the presence of that, because I am perfect There is a great chasm. There is a great separation. This was created for the devil and his angels, and we are unable to dwell in his presence because of sin. But hear this. God desired to bridge the separation. He desired to make the imperfect and declare them perfect. He desired for the unrighteous to be declared righteous, for without him we were all walking straight to the pit of hell. We all were. And the only thing that bridges it is Jesus himself. Think of it this way. We are all born walking toward hell, but God sent a rescuer to change our destination. We will not be sent to hell. Everyone is walking this path by nature, but we are rather saved from it. God desires that none would perish, that all would come to repentance. God desires that none would be separated from him, but all would be unified with him. So if we choose to walk away from him, if we choose to be the arrogant, the ones that say, you know what, God, thanks, but I can do it all on my own. I don't need you. I'm fine. I got this life figured out. I got everything I need. That's not on God. It's on you if you choose to reject him. If you choose to respond in faith to the gospel, it'd be like me walking toward a landmine. Let's say I'm a soldier in Afghanistan and I'm walking towards this landmine. I know there's some out there somewhere, and this local comes up to me and says, I'm begging you, I'm pleading you not to go any further. I promise you, just believe me, believe me that what is ahead of you is great, great danger. Will you step away and come with me? I will lead the way. That is Jesus. If I choose not to listen and I step on the landmine, it's my own fault. This guy was right here trying to tell me not to go that way, trying to tell me what was coming, and I chose not to listen. Jesus is saying this this morning. Please hear this. It's real, guys. And he loves us enough to warn us you ever doubt his love, don't doubt it anymore. If you are walking from him, you will be separated from him for all of eternity. And it's no one else's fault but your own. He has made a way. God loved us enough to do everything possible to restore what was broken, to warn us of the reality of rejecting his offer of life, to warn us how living in separation of him will end. We have this for the screen, and I want us to read it together. Luke 16, 19 through 31, Jesus talks about hell. So there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, and who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And beside all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into the place of torment. But Abraham said, Then have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Jesus. So hear this before we go on. I want to say five things that we know about hell from Scripture itself and from this text. First is it's a real place. Jesus spoke more about it than heaven. It's a real place. But number two is this. It's a place of separation from God and all that is good. We see it in verse 23. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham, what, far off and Lazarus, at his side see this place is a separation from all that is good is a separation from the goodness and the holiness and the righteous and the love and the beauty of your savior your king and your god separated forever number three it's a place of just punishment we see that in verse 24 and he called out father abraham have mercy on me and send lazarus to dip the end of his finger I'm in anguish in this flame. Jesus goes on to say, man, you had everything you wanted in this world. You had all the material stuff. You had everything that you ever wanted. And you chose to reject me. It's a just punishment. He is not an unjust God. But he has to atone. He has to pay for sin. Number four is this. It's a place... And this, honestly, is more petrifying than maybe all of them, where there is memory. Verse 25, but Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, bad things, but now he is comforted. Hear this. It's a place of memory, and my prayer all week has been this. God, if there's someone in this room that is far from you, would they not look back one day and think, man, I remember I was sitting in that gym that day and I had a chance to respond to the gospel. I had a chance to give my life to this king of glory, and I chose not to. And now I'm sitting here separated, and I have all the memory of it. May that not be this day. I promise you there are not words adequate enough to explain what that day will be like and God is warning this morning and lastly is this it's a place of hopelessness we see it in verse 26 and besides all this between us and you is a great chasm and it has been fixed in order that none who would pass from here To you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. Hear this. It has been fixed in that moment. There is no such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as earning your right to God, earning your righteousness, none of it. When you breathe your last breath, your destination has been fixed. And it has everything to do with whether you responded to the gospel in faith or not Everything And once you've chosen and once you pass from this life you have no option to choose again But you will remember all the times that you had opportunity to and you chose not to And number two is this this is the good news it is a day of triumph for the righteous. We can look forward to this day when Jesus returns to make all things new. It doesn't matter if you lose everything in a house fire. It's all going to burn anyway. God is saying that, that in that day all will burn like stubble. Nothing will be left. The only thing that remains is who you put your faith faith in and that's Jesus the king of glory who will never let you down and in that day the believers will triumph and in that day there will be great rejoicing because everything that we struggle with here the pain and the suffering and the lack of understanding and everything will be completely wiped away and all will be made new on this great day I find it interesting that Jesus spoke more about heaven and more vividly, or more about hell and more vividly than heaven. Why? Because I really, we can't grasp heaven, guys. It is so much bigger than our imagination. It is so much, I mean, you can't even process what it will be like. The presence of the living God when all evil is gone, everything that is pure is there. We cannot process it. And I think that's why Jesus was like, well, why do I even waste my time trying to explain it? Because there ain't no words adequate to explain it anyway. <laughs> it's a day of rejoicing for the righteous. See, in this day, all will be made right. And whole. In this day, the sacrifice, the struggle, the doubt, the betrayal, the labor, the days of mockery and rejection, the days of wanting and wondering why prayers are not answered, the days of sickness, pain, loss, tears, betrayal, the days of everything that you can imagine will be erased in a moment when Jesus returns for his bride. There will be no more sorrow, pains, or tears. Hear this, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Revelation 21. Starting in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. But the sea was no more, and I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as what a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, hear this, hear this. The dwelling place of God is with Man, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Hear this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain any more. Why? For the former things have all passed away. They are but a vapor that we have no recollection of. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares about your castle on the hill? Who cares about your Lamborghini? And who cares about your third home? Because I'm telling you, it ain't nothing compared to glory. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making what? All things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Hear this. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then there's a warning. Verse 8. But as for the cowardly the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Hear this. Did you know that we were all liars? (laughs) We were all idolaters. We were all sorcerers. We were all sexually immoral. We were those people. We were born into that in our nature. So what God is not saying is, oh man, if you were a liar one time, your place will be in the burning lake of fire. Congratulations. No. He's saying we were all that. We were all headed towards the burning lake of fire. But those who... those who I have redeemed, those who have turned from their sin and turned to me, they will be declared righteous. And their place will be a day of triumph with me, the dwelling place of God coming to man because I have come to make all things new. Here's the question. Have you believed? Because I promise you, all of life hinges on it. Every thing, every piece of material that you own will one day burn. But in that day, the righteous will leap like a calf from his stall. I think we have pictures. If you can put up the pictures, the first pictures, not the one. Yes, those pictures. This is the Will Sheets house. What is left of it? Basically, there is nothing left. Burn this image in your mind because this will be everything on the day of the Lord. It doesn't matter what you owned. It doesn't matter what you gave your life to. It doesn't matter how much money you had in the bank or how many yachts you owned or whatever. It's all going to look like this when Jesus returns. And I wanted to get a picture, but I didn't get a picture of the new home that they're in now. Stocked full. Their kids overjoyed. Like Tyler said, man, I overheard my girls say, Can you believe it? These toys are way cooler than anything else we ever had. That's heaven! (laughs) That's heaven! We have toys. We have stuff here. We have this. God has blessed his people. But I promise you, we will all be saying, man, remember that boat? This one's way cooler. How did I even think that one was even sweet? It's heaven. That's what we have to look forward to. But hear this. Everything you own on this day will look like that. You know why? Because God fights for his church. If we can put up the next picture... That would be amazing. The top picture is the Sheet's living room. Right before we went to Barry Cowboy that night, he looked at me and his face dropped. And he said, oh, my gosh. I said, what's up, man? He said the tithe money from Sunday was in the living room. And I said, dude, who cares like if they, people can rewrite checks, if they don't, whatever, God provides for his church. Like, don't worry about it. I was like, let's go back in and look for it. So we go in the dining room where he was sitting, his MacBook is melted to the table. His backpack is melted to the floor. His coffee cup is sitting on the table, melted and... I mean, you can see the room. That's what the room looked like. Everything was utterly destroyed. We go in his backpack, and in the backpack is the bank bag, and the bottom of it is a little bit burned. That bottom image, the only thing that made it out of the fire was God's money. Every single check was cashable. Every single piece of cash was cashable because the serial numbers were still on it. The right side is all the deposits that came from the last year and who signed off on them. Those made it. We had to fix the deposit slip because a couple of numbers were gone, but that's minor. The whole point being, God fights for his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. It doesn't matter what hell throws at the church. He is victorious. He conquers. And he is returning for his bride. But do you believe it? This has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with a very powerful image that everything one day will burn except for what is his. You and I, if we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, you will not burn. He will come and rescue you. And while we may look a little charred on this earth, and while we may have some stuff that hurts and some pain and some stuff in our lives, it's like, man, God, that stung. Man, God, like... I lost my wife. It left some char. Man, God, I felt rejected when my family turned against me. God, I don't understand the pain. I don't understand why I had to be the one that suffered with cancer. God, I don't understand why my loved one was the one that died of cancer. We all look like this, guys. Charred, burned, hurt. That's us, but what God is saying is he protects those who are his own. That which is his will not be burned because he fights for the righteous. Do you know him this morning? Are you ready for the great and the glorious day? Because the very last words in this book... Say things like this, Jesus himself, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. And then he closes out the Bible by saying, surely I am coming soon. So here's the question as we wrap up. Do you know this King of Glory? Do you know this God that has come to set you free and redeem your soul from the pit of hell? Because if you don't, that is your destination and you were not without warning. God says, just come to me, let me restore come to me burned up come to me with all your pain and all your hurt and one day even if it doesn't happen this day one day all will be made new every tear wiped away every pain gone every struggle absent because you are in the presence of the living god where all is perfect do you know him if not today is the day god i thank you for this place god i thank you for what you're doing in this place for how you move amongst your people God, I thank you that you loved us enough to warn us of the direction we were headed if we refused to respond in faith to the gospel. And God, I think that there's someone in here this morning that has never responded in faith to the gospel. Maybe there's someone in this room that thinks they're saved and has always thought they're saved, but it's always been about their knowledge of you and. How they could defend every argument and how they knew scripture and that's not what redeems, that's not what saves. Jesus, you save and it's about a relationship with you, not a head knowledge of you. God, if there is a person like that in this room, I just pray by your tenderness, by your love, by your care, that you would show them that you loved them enough for them to be in this room this morning, to show them the direction they're headed, but you wanted to intercept that to give them life and freedom and fulfillment, God. That is how you work. There is no such thing as coincidence in the kingdom of God. It is all providence. So if you're in this room this morning and you have never responded to faith in the gospel, if you've never responded to Jesus as your savior, I want you to do this because Jesus himself said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father and angels in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the father and the angels. In heaven, he calls us to walk boldly and unapologetically in him because he has come to set you free. And he did it publicly for you. So if you're in this place and you've never given your heart to Christ, I just ask that you lift your hand so I can pray with you. Is there anyone in this room that just says, man, I just need Jesus. just need him to wipe away what is broken and if you're raising your hand I can't see you I apologize because these lights are bright but today is the day of salvation today is the day when all things can be made new so God I pray for the person in this room that is crying out to you God that needs you I pray that you would meet them right now in their greatest need, God, that they would come to you, that they would see that you are a good and a loving God who has come to set them free. Move in this time, move in this moment, God, to do the things that only you can do. Take one who is blind and give them sight. Take a heart that was dead and give it life, God. We thank you that you have come to restore and redeem if we will turn from our sin, if we will turn to you in faith and trust that we don't live for this day we live for that day and god we love you we prayed in jesus name amen